Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome. Welcome again, ladies, gentlemen, and all the listeners of the Dogs Program. Back to the Dogs Program. It's good to have your company here again on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast through the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. We are the defenders of government schools. It's what we do. It's what we have to do because many people attack them. Uh, Today we'll be uh, analysing in detail um, numbers and people. And when you put people and numbers together, you usually get that thing called money. Because, you know, people numbers equals money. Uh, we'll be talking about the funding um, processes, about how it is that in Australia, various school systems, private school systems, um, seem to be able to get so much taxpayers' money in their hands to do the things that they do. You know, how does Scots College get millions of dollars from the government to educate when their fees are over $40,000 a year per student. Um, how does this work? Um, and the answer, I suppose, in many ways is that they're organised. Um, lobby groups and organisations that are responsible for prior education organise themselves to get it. And when they get it, they don't like giving it up. So today we'll be talking about how it is, like the functional processes. We'll be talking a bit of statistics We'll be talking a bit of numbers and we'd be talking a bit of, 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 of lobbying politics. But later in the program, we'll be talking about um, a different set of numbers, uh, the numbers of students who are going back to state schools. Um, the parents of Australia seem to be, in a quite consistent way over the last five years, deciding that the private school system is not for them. Um, and sometimes it's because it's just too expensive, that is, the numbers are too big. Sometimes it's because the state system, despite all of its enemies attacking it for generations now, still manages to produce the best education system in Australia, despite the fact that it's ridiculously underfunded by the government. Um, we'll also be talking um, and quoting from various people about the specifics of this. And there's one quote which I'm saving for later, which, I don't know, it made my stomach turn, but it made me really think. Um, it's a quote from the Catholic Education Office about why it is that they couldn't possibly tell us how much money it is that they charge in fees. Um, and the sentence itself is is one of those bitter, decivilizing um, obfuscations that just drive me crazy. And I thought I'd share it with you because when you've got an itch and you want to scratch it, um, you kind of want to share the itch too. So I'll be talking about how it is that the Catholic Education Office can justify not telling anyone 
how much it charges for its fees. It's a fascinating bit of prose, actually. Mm-hmm. Of course, we'll be finishing with a great state school, which this week, I promise you, is, is actually requ- requested from a listener. Um, uh, one of our loyal listeners called up and said, can you tell the world about what's going on at Frankston High? Because Franger High um, is doing amazing things. Um, I've worked there myself on a number of occasions over the years, and I can back it up from anecdotal evidence as well. So we'll be finishing off with an expose or something that's brilliant, a state school that is doing what it said it was going to do on the tin. That is be free, secular, and a universal education. Yep, they do not teach brethren maths or Catholic English or anything like that. Well, they certainly don't teach um, Pentecostal history up there at Frankston High. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start the program now. I've been taking too long, and I know everyone there is really just waiting to hear it. For Jean, we've been waiting for Jean's press release. What number is it, Jean? Uh, 828, Robert. So 828. There are 828 press releases on our website at www.adogs.info. Um, and this is the last of them. So if you, anything Jean says and you want a fact checker, you can go on the website, download it and go for your life. We'd love to hear from you. But let's, without further ado, Jean's press release. Yes. Uh, last week we talked about lies, lies and damn statistics. And this is a continuation of that, but it's also got an extra wing to it. I want to link up the statistics and lobby groups. Because it doesn't take profit or the son of a profit to note that the private schools are outstripping the public sector in the government funding stakes. Public schools have committed teachers, principals, researchers and even lobby groups. There's plenty of them on the public side. We're one of them. Yet the lobby groups for the private sector, the Catholic Education Commission and the Independent School Lobby always seem to gain the upper hand in the funding stakes. Why? Now, in recent weeks, there have been conflicting interpretations made from raw statistics provided by government reports. Some of these reports are publicly available, some are unpublished. But the work that's been done by the Save Our Schools think tank Uh, and also the Centre for Independent Studies have been at variance. They have picked out different statistics. And we dealt with this last week, how the Centre for Independent Studies didn't want to look at the raw figures. They just wanted to look at a very particular percentage. But it quickly becomes obvious that statistics can prove almost any and sometimes opposite interpretations, depending upon the interpretation or the questions you ask of them. So what's the real situation? Well, dogs have gone as best they can to the primary source material. And the most recent statistics that people are talking about on the ABC and elsewhere is a 2020 report. It's a fairly controversial report, though when you read it, they really are are trying desperately not to be controversial. And it's called the Report of on Government Services, ROGS, R-O-G-S. You can go up onto the website and you can have a look at it. And when I went up and I had a look at it on the uh, school sector, I found this. In 2018, there were 9,477 schools in Australia. 
6,240 of those were primary schools and 1,414 were secondary schools. And 1,341 were combined schools and there were 482 special schools. Keep those special schools in mind because we'll talk about them later. Now, the majority of schools were government-owned and managed. 70.1% of all schools throughout Australia are public schools. The rest are private schools. Now, there were 3.9 million full-time equivalent, which are full-time students, enrolled in the school nationally in 2018. Those are Australian students. 3.9 million. That's a lot of children. And while the majority of, ch- of children are their full-time at school, 11,057 were part-time students, predominantly in secondary schools, and I would think predominantly in government schools because quite a few of those would be sole parents or children or even adults that had gone back to school. Uh, the government schools had 2.6 million full-time students enrolled, which is 65.7% of all students, full-time students. And over the past six years, that proportion has increased from 65, 65.1% in 2012. So the enrolments in government schools are going up. Those are percentage points, but when you're dealing in millions, those are very considerable numbers. The non-government schools had 1.3 million full-time students enrolled and that was 34.3% of all full-time students. So the proportion also of students enrolled in government schools or in public schools is higher for primary schools and secondary schools and a higher proportion of students enrolled in primary schools than in secondary schools, which is 42.2%. So what that is telling you is that there has been a a baby boom in the hospitals, partly due to migration, but partly due to people having babies, which means when people have babies five years later, they come into the primary school. There are also special needs children in Australia, Nationally, in 2018, government schools had a higher proportion of students from selected special needs groups than non-government schools. Surprise, surprise. Uh, The Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students, 7.3% of government school students and 2% only in non-government schools. The students from a low socio-educational background, now this is a very interesting figure, 30.6% of government school students come from a low socio-educational background and only 13% of non-government or private school students come from a low socio-economic background. For students with disability, 19.7%, and 19.2% of students are at um, the public, Catholic and independent schools respectively. Now here's the funding. Nationally, in 2017-18, government recurrent expenditure on school education was $61.5 billion. Now listeners compare 61.5 billion with 100 million, which is currently being um, 
ex- exposed as being rorted in sports grants before the last election. And yet dogs suggest that this 61.5 billion, there is something going on which is a bit smelly about it because the Auditor General has been telling us this for several years and there hasn't been a whisper from the coalition government. When, in fact, uh, the uh, Labor Party wanted to have a bipartisan look at school funding, uh, they wouldn't come to the party. They just want to say, look at all the money that we're spending on education and we're not getting value for money. And we certainly aren't. There they are right. Believe it or not, on that issue, I will agree with the coalition government, but not for their reasons. Now, the government schools have been getting from the taxpayer $46.6 billion, or 75.8% of the funding with the state and territory governments the major funding source. Our state governments put in $39.4 billion or 84.6% of government schools funding. But the non-government or the private schools accounted for $14.9 billion or 24.2% with the Australian government the major funding source, $11.3 billion or 75.7% of private school funding. So those are very interesting figures at all. They don't count in an awful lot of... There's an awful lot left out there, particularly in the private sector. But that is a lot of money, $39.4 billion. So if that $39.4 billion, which is a very conservative figure, I, I might add... Um, is being rorted, I think we should be looking at it very carefully. Now, funding over the decade, that's where it gets really very difficult for me as a non-statistical person in just reading this report. The total 10-year figures are masked in bar graphs. You don't get the actual figures unless you look uh, into these really quite complex, uh, coloured, very pretty bar graphs. They're difficult to decipher, if only because the graphs are arranged state by state. So there are variations, quite marg- marked variation between, say, the states and the Northern Territory. And they're sourced from mainly unpub- unpublished official documents, like documents from the Education Council, which is unpublished, the National School Statistics Collection, which is published, the NSSC, the Australian Government Department of Education uh, reports, which are unpublished again. So there's a question of transparency here. And the Australian State and Territory Governments, which are also unpublished. Now, the Australian Education Union have dug deeper and they claim but I can't prove this just myself looking at these graphs. I'd have to go uh, and spend hours and hours trying to work out the graphs. That the 2020 report on government services showed that non-government or private school funding per student grew by 3.3 times faster than public school funding per student in the last decade. And that's a gap that's widened further in the last year. They also claim that the government funding for public schools has grown by only 11% over the last 10 years, whereas government funding for private schools has grown by 35%. 
So that really just doesn't tally at all with the uh, Centre for Independent uh, Studies figures. And they note that these findings are, of course, extremely concerning for public education in Australia because although the public school student enrolments are now soaring, the Morrison government continues to ignore the needs of two-thirds of Australian school students by refusing to provide equitable funding for public schools. And historically... The huge increase, which started under the Howard government with, when Kemp was the Minister for Education, was justified because they wanted to make private education more affordable. And Robert will be talking about whether or not it's become more affordable, particularly with wages stagnant and the economy not going very well. Now, that's enough for me from, for the moment because after a bit of a break, I'm going to talk about successful and unsuccessful lobby groups because the question is, why is this happening? Why can't the public schools get a fairer deal in this country? Why is it that although we jump up and down here at 3CR and there are lots and lots of genuine uh, public school supporters throughout this, this country who are working hard behind the scenes trying to lobby the government, why is it that they seem to get nowhere when they're up against the private school lobby groups? And we'll be talking about that shortly. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Hi everyone, my name's Robbie Thorpe. I'm with 3CR Community Radio. Every year we have a subscription drive. It's a way of supporting our organisation maintain itself through the year and we rely on the support of the community. One way to do that is to subscribe and become a member. Become part of this organisation itself. Get in contact with 3CR. You can go to the website 3cr.org.au or you can ring on 9419 3CR ensures that our voices, Aboriginal voices are heard on this radio station. So it's a good way of supporting Aboriginal people as well by becoming a subscriber for 3CR Community Radio. Has your subscription lapsed? We want you back. Spend more than the evening with us. Reunite with us. Subscribe to 3CR and get excited. Call 9419 8377 or donate online 3cr.org.au. Let's get back together. It'll feel so good.
teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Yes, well, before those announcements about uh, we do need subscribers, uh, so please think about it carefully in the next week and look at your checkbooks. Um, before that, we were talking about the unfairness in the funding situation between the private and the public sector in school education in Australia and asking why this is happening. Now, Trevor Cobald from Save Our Schools has some wonderful material on his website and he has been more or less indicating the unfairness too. And a gentleman called Greg Blomfield uh, put in a response to his uh, article on the less resources than high SES schools. And this is what Greg Blomfield said. Of course governments do that that is favoured to private schools because the richer parents apply more pressure to the government. But it does not have to be that way. All it requires is for a group like SOS to arrange for as many people as possible whose children are being neglected to ask politicians in a strategic and politically persuasive way to fix the situation and back their request with some electoral muscle if necessary and hey presto, it will be fixed. Fair go, with absolutely no interest in party politics, has quietly and with minimal fuss helped Australians do that for the past 34 years with great success. We would be delighted to chat with SOS executives about how to even the scales. It is not dead simple, but nor is it that difficult. Saving 35,000 lives by cutting the road toll was harder, Banning smoking on commercial airlines, which spread elsewhere, was easier. So here is a group called Fair Go that is very interested in lobbying on behalf of public schools and showing SOS and the dogs and anybody else who is a supporter of um, public schools how to do it. And that is tremendous. And Greg Bloomfield has a point. But does he realise exactly what he is up against? The public sector, despite billions of dollars in state aid over more than half a century uh, to the private sector, is still carrying the responsibility for the education of the majority of Australian children. So the lobby groups have had some effect in Australia, particularly those in the disadvantaged and special education sector. They still have the edge in the rhetoric. We're still talking in Australia, believe it or not, about the word equity. You wouldn't think that, that this was so, of course, if you look at the reality, but it is still there in the rhetoric, which is something, I suppose. It's when the rhetoric goes and you have the sheer, utter nastiness 
of um, uh, cannibalistic capitalism is what I call it, that you've got a problem. But why is it that the private school lobbyists have special entry into the corridors of power? Now, let's have a look at these private school lobby groups. We all know about the old boy networks for the wealthy private schools. Bill Shorten, like Abbott and Hockey, were all Jesuit trained. Uh, Abbott and Hockey in Riverview and Bill Shorten in Xavier in Melbourne. But these days, the, the influence of the Catholic bishops in the corridors of power is more subtle. In recent years, with the Cardinal Pell and related matters, their intervention in public affairs has perhaps taken place behind more secular lobbyists. And what in these latter days makes a most effective lobbyist with inside knowledge? Who better than an ex-politician or an ex-banker? And a very interesting insight into the selection of effective insiders by the Catholic Education Commissions was reported in the Australian of February the 12th as follows. And here I will pass you over to Dale. Thanks, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Yes, I've got an article here by Rachel Baxendale entitled Banker to Steer Catholic Schools. The National Catholic Education Commission has appointed former Macquarie Group Chief Executive Nicholas Moore as its new chair. Mr Moore replaces former South Australian Labor Education Minister and lobbyist Greg Crafter, who served as chairperson for seven years. Archbishop of Sydney and Bishop's Commission for Catholic Education head Anthony Fisher announced the appointment on Tuesday, saying he had no doubt Mr Moore would bring exemplary leadership, integrity, drive and vision to his new role. Mr Moore retired from Macquarie in November 2018 as Australia's highest paid executive, receiving annual remuneration of $18.9 million. I wonder what the commission's going to be paying. Mm. He served as a as CEO for a decade and had been at the bank for 33 years. Ahead of the Commission's first 2020 meeting this week, Mr Moore said that he was delighted to have been offered the opportunity to support the education of 764,000 students in Catholic schools across the country at this important time. Mr Moore is also chairman of Screen Australia, the Sydney Opera House Trust, the Centre for Independent Studies, the Smith Family and Willow Technology Corporation. He is a member and former chair of the University of New South Wales Business School Advisory Council. The Archbishop said the new chair had a sound understanding of the challenges facing education and would bring a new perspective and different skills and experiences that I'm sure will be challenging and beneficial to Catholic education. On behalf of the Bishops' Commission for Catholic Education, I congratulate Nicholas and pledge the Bishops' support in one of our greatest tasks, the education of young people academically, spiritually, socially, emotionally and physically, Archbishop Fisher said. 
he thanked Mr. Crafter for his work, saying he had dealt with three prime ministers and their cabinets and helped secure long-term funding vital to the future of our Catholic schools. In 2018, the Catholic sector secured an extra $3.2 billion in funding over the next 10 years from the Morrison government after it had campaigned strongly against the Turnbull government's Gonski 2.0 reforms, which would have seen fees rise at some Catholic schools based on government assessments of parental income. NCEC Executive Director and former Labor Senator Jacinta Collins said she looked forward to working with Mr Moore. As the largest provider of schooling outside the government, Catholic education will benefit greatly from the extensive business and board experience Nicholas brings as our new chair, Ms Collins said. With the increasing complexity of education governance and administration, he will bring a fresh perspective to our work in supporting our 1,746 schools across Australia. Well, isn't that just fascinating? Hmm. And that's how it works. I would imagine that after the Banking Royal Commission, a CEO of one of the major banks is not quite the place to be. But... um, Here is a very prominent gentleman, and please note that he is also on the board of the Centre for Independent Studies. Mm. Uh, And there are two other people within this very, very powerful lobby group who are ex-Labour politicians, Jacinta Allen, who we have noted, but also this gentleman from South Australia, who we weren't aware of, or the dogs weren't aware of him. So... um, I find this very interesting, the way the lobby groups of perhaps the most effective lobby group in Australia are for getting money out of the public treasury, the way they work, and the people, the insiders, that they make sure they get into the corridors of power. Thank you very much, Dale. It's my pleasure. I just find it mind-boggling. They, they talk about what skills and experience he brings to the job. He has absolutely no background in education. He's a banker. So how on earth does that help the educational outcomes of the children? I think that's a really good question and a fascinating one. I'll attempt to answer it for you, Dale, um, after, after this. Yeah, I spent three and a half years living on the street and... I know what it's like to have no hope and not to feel part of the society, and I think that's where a lot of these people are. But I think we need to help people who are traumatised and help people get back on their feet and give them hope and help them um, feel like they're a part of the society again instead of just moving them on like they're an inconvenience. If it were not for ruminations, how would the views of those of us who have been homeless or are homeless How would these views ever be aired? How would they ever be expressed? Subscribe to the station that gives airtime to people with a lived experience of homelessness. Support 3CR. Hi, I'm Jacob from the Friday Rave and I'm also on 3CR's Committee of Management. Now, the community of passionate people that founded 3CR a long time ago made some tough decisions. For a start, they committed themselves and a growing community of listeners 
to back their vision of owning our station and in doing so remaining independent of the government and corporate influence. They did this by fundraising, brick by brick, with working bees, door knocks, on-air drives and all the rest of it. You've all been there. Now their commitment has kept 3CR on air for over 40 years. That's a long time even in my life. But now we need your commitment to keep this great thing going. Now you can subscribe online at 3cr.org.au or phone us at the station on 9419 8377 or even stop me on the bloody street if you see me at some rally or other and ask me for a membership form. You need to become a member of Melbourne Radical Radio and subscribe. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here at 3CR 855 on AM Dial, podcast on the WWWs. Also, that podcast, you can get that actually the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. Um, you'll know that if that's what you're listening to, uh, which is great that you are, but if you are listening live to air, just be aware that the podcast is an ever-increasing medium where to get to your facts that is. Um, because community radio seems to be one of the places where you can get facts. And here at the Dogs, we do a lot of research. Um, as Jean has just demonstrated with her now becoming sort of world famous press releases, um, the question was before the break, what on earth is a banker doing heading up the Catholic Education Office um, nationally? Well, I think there's an article here from what used to be the Fairfax Stable, now is run by Channel 9, um, a newspaper, a little one here in Melbourne called The Age. Um, and Madeline Heflin wrote an article just this last week uh, where she's analysed and talked to the various people that are involved in school fees, that is the fees that parents pay for private schools. Um, uh, not obviously state schools because state schools are free, uh, secular and universal in, in their access in terms of people coming up to their door. But there's one, there's one door that if you came up to in, in Victoria uh, would very firmly be closed to you unless you had both connections and $40,000 a year. Actually, I take that back, 40000 that's cheap. $43,000 a year. Because in Victoria, the rate of increase of school fees for private schools in Victoria has, for a very long time now, outstripped the rate of inflation. So the whole idea that John Howard had back in the early 2000s, if you give private schools monies, their fees will go down, and their fees going down, of course, means that more people will have access to private schools. That's just all bunkum, always was. Now if you want to send a child to Year 12 at Geelong Grammar, um, you have to spend $43,000 for that year. Now I have to say, having dug and done a little bit of extra research on this, uh, Geelong Grammar's fees for lower years are less. In fact, their median fee, their median fee for parents is around about um, $31,000. So that's if you have a child in kindergarten or in year five or in year seven or something like that. It's only $30,000. But I will say that, however, Geelong Grammar ask parents for $43,000 at the same time they get, well, how can I say this? They get about another $6,000 from the government to educate that child at Geelong Grammar. 
So you're the parent, you're kicking in, kicking in 43. The government is asked to kick in another six or so. So you're getting up to a total of $53,000 being spent by both parents and government on the education of this obviously very special child. They have amazing educational needs. They must have all sorts of disabilities to have that kind of money spent on them. Um, and you produce a Prince Charles. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think you always produce a Prince Charles, and that is the point. Um, I'll bear in mind that in terms of the funding from both the parents and the government, totalling up to around about fifty, around about $50,000, of that money, there are, of course, some deductions. Because Geelong Grammar, as part of their business plan, working with bankers, mm. has accrued some systemic debt. They've borrowed money. Believe it or not, given $50,000 a year to educate a child in year 12, they still need to borrow some money. And, of course, that debt needs to be serviced. And in servicing that debt, $126,000 a year, they, of course, just take that money out of the school fees, either from the government. So, you know, if you're paying off the interest rate, that's all right. You can pay it off with someone else's money. No wonder the Catholic Education Commission needs a banker because <laughs> you're dealing with big, big money. Indeed. Yeah. But it actually gets more interesting. For me, it gets more, I don't know, more, more obscure and, and more interesting. Because, yes, Geelong Grammar is, in fact, the most expensive school in Victoria. So people go, oh, Robert, you're cherry-picking. That's just the dearest one. That, that's, that's not all private schools. I'll just, by the way, if you're an international student, I'm trying to get back from China, um, boarding fees for international students are now up to $83,000 per student per year at Geelong Grammar. So if you are one of those people, that's how much you'll have to pay. Next up... Um, are Hawthorne's independent boys' school, Scots College, and the co-educational Jewish school, Mount Scopus Memorial College. And their fees are a little under $40,000, but again, that gets topped up by another seven or so thousand by the government as well. Now, an analysis by the Age of State's most expensive schools show 32 schools in Victoria charge more than $30,000 a year for a Year 12 student and suggest prices grew... Over the 12 months, 3.4% in a calendar year. So that's how much it costs in 30. So 32 is now, 32 different schools. That's, that's not just one off. That's just a lot of people getting a lot of money. Well, perhaps all these, these parents could be taking out loans because interest rates are low, you see. That's, again, <laughs> where, why you need bankers involved with this <laughs> private school um, well, it's a business. Uh, we're now dealing with businesses, Robert. Mm. We're not dealing with education. Well, this is this is in fact the point that I'm. I'm well, I'm going to reinforce what I'm about to say next, because 36 percent of Victorian students attend non-government schools, which is above the national average, the second highest rate in the country. Though, this leaves Victorians sensitive to private school fee rises. Now, education costs grew across the entire private school sector not just the richest 32, not by 3.4%, but by 2.9%. So a little bit less, but around about 3%. Bear in mind that inflation um, last year was 1.8%. Now, when asked, both Independent Schools Victoria and the Catholic Education, Melbourne said that they do not have data on their schools for the coming year at all, even though everyone knows that every school knows what they're going to be charging fees for for this year because the year's already started, but, the, but, but they have, couldn't possibly tell us. They don't have a business plan, you mean? <laughs> Not that they're willing to tell us about. 
But independent schools, Victoria Chief Michelle Green said price increases had generally been lower than in previous years, and some schools have maintained fees. Well, she'd probably find two or three that might. But being generally lower than previous years is nothing to brag about. It's still above the level of inflation. Now, Catholic Education Melbourne says, and here, this is one of those sentences. If you listen really carefully to it, it makes you want to go and have a nice glass of water to clear your head. Because uh, they said, as fee levels are based on the specific circumstances of schools, analysis at a sectoral level is not likely to give an accurate picture of the contribution parents are asked to make towards their child's education. In other words, they're saying they don't know what's going on. Yep. Or they know, but you don't need to know. You don't need to know. We can only talk in generalities, and, and generalities aren't, aren't, aren't useful in this kind of... Yeah, blah, blah. So your question yeah. is... is yeah. your question Take is your forward. question and shove it where the light doesn't <laughs> shine, because we're not going to answer it for you today. But they did it using all those words. <laughs> um, and for me, that's just... They're bankers' words. Mm. They are bankers' words. So why do you need bankers? Well, now we're kind of find out. Now, Stephen Beetham of Hawthorne, accounting firm McLean Delmo Bentley's, said schools have been hiking fees beyond inflation to build better facilities. Former Melbourne Grammar Principal Paul Sheehan agreed, saying parents expect more and more embellishments every year. And he's right. But Mr Beetham, who put six kids through private schools, said things would get tougher for expensive schools as government funding decreased and his company was developing, <laughs> a banker developing a funding project for all those schools oh. and parents who have to spend too much money. So a way f- to enable them to spend the money. As, as, as working for an accounting firm through, through banking services, yes. Yeah. And there are insurance companies. This is the way forward for all those insurance companies. That have mm. got if, all the and please, 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 please listen. If new sources of income are not created by schools, the only way to match funds needed is for the parents' fees to increase, asking them to pay more and more to meet the budgets. He said, and this is interesting, Mm. so new sources of income, not government and not parents. While the most elite schools will always survive, he's got a point there, um, even higher-ranking private schools will struggle to attract numbers needed. Now, I've always said this. There's this... There's the upper tier, there's the Scotses and the Geelongs and the Xaviers and the MLCs. They'll, they'll look, come a hell of high water, Melburnians will pay money. They'll, they'll, they'll just pay whatever. They don't care. It's the tier down from that, which don't have the name, inverted commas, um, of a good private school, uh, which are going to struggle. It's the Yarra Valley Grammars, actually, and down. Those schools have big problems. Mm. Now, international students are away of attracting further income, and they pay a median price of around about $45,000 to go to a school in Victoria, plus tens of thousands in boarding fees. But Mr Beetham said that income, even from topping up their income from, from foreigners, um, would not be enough. Perhaps that's the get-out, but that's not the answer or prospect um, of today's students are wanting to face. School marketing expert, and there is such a person, and his name's Stephen... And Stephen Holmes, his name is. He's a school marketing expert. So these people exist now. They probably as divisions. They're ex-bankers too, I'm sure. So Victorian private schools generally lift to prices 5% above or below their rivals. And this is interesting. And we're loath to freeze fees 
because that would be seen as an admission that the fee was too high or that enrolments were falling and therefore they were less good. Happened to competition. Oh, no, and no, that's no, all no, about, no. he's just overtly said it's all about appearances, not mm. about facts. Yeah, it's all about the appearances. So they can't lower their fees, otherwise everyone will think they're rubbish. And if everyone thinks they're rubbish, no one will want to go there. If no one wants to go there, then they have to put their fees up because none of I wonder if you sensible parents are going to the local state oh, school. Oh, after the, after the state school, please. <laughs> now, it's interesting because he goes on, Mr. Stephen Holmes. Um, he says, schools are quite unaware, I think, of what the tipping point is for parents' pricing. Um, he, actually, not just a banker, he was a former teacher. But and he says, parents are now more fee sensitive. So he's saying schools have got a problem because there is a tipping point, which has been reached, because more and more students are enrolling their kids in state schools. But now they've got this squeeze in the middle. Now, the Catholic Boys School, Xavier College, an independent school, Freibank Bramber, told parents, by the way, that they've increased their 2020 fees to 2.9 and 2.2%. Both, I will hazard to say, are above inflation. So they're 2020 figures. They were the only two schools, Xavier and Furbank Grammar, who were willing to talk about how much money they were going to charge, or are charging, because the school's already started. But I just think that those pressures are market forces. And someone, things like a banker would understand. And I would say to you that in that article, education wasn't mentioned once. No one talked about the kids. No one talked about learning. and No one talked about the quality of the education. They talked about the implied quality of education when it comes to fees and stuff, but that's it. I think that's a fascinating article. What I'm going to talk about now, of course, is the complete opposite. Resources and embellishments. I thought the embellishments was a wonderful (laughs) word. That's what these poor, silly parents are paying for, an embellishment. Oh, parents aren't silly. (laughs) Most parents aren't. Most most, most parents are working it out. Most parents will send their kids to the local state school, which is what they do in Franger, down there in Franger, because in Franger they've got a great school. No questions asked. Great school, of course, is called Frankston High. Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great. Schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. <laughs> Great State School of the Week. This week is Frankston High. Um, Franger, that is. You know, down there on the Franger line. Or the Frankston line, they call it. Actually, the Frankston line means two things. All the people on the peninsula won't go north of it. And um, all the people who go, go down on the train will, will know what the Frankston line is too. Probably the most unreliable train, train line in Victoria. Um, ah, look, it's a great place, Franger. It's got a beautiful beach, if you ask me. Got nice clubs, nice places. But it also has an excellent high school. High school. It's actually a high-performance academic school. There you go. Focusing on excellence. It's committed to continually improve the quality of teaching and learning. And they have a reputation for achieving outstanding results in VCE. They have a program which successfully enables students to, to access further tertiary learning opportunities, which is they get kids into university down there in Franger. Now, it's interesting because Frankston High is up there on the hill, if you know what I'm talking about. 
So, you know, Melbourne's all flat. Well, once you hit Frankston, there's this hill. It starts going up. And then you get all the bumpy bits down on the peninsula after that. So it's flat, 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 flat. And then you get this hill. And on the hill is Frankston High. And um, the, the income distribution is actually really interesting because more than half of the kids that go to Franger High come from comparatively wealthy families. Um, it's around about half and half. Um, sort of poor and rich, but it's a mix, that's for sure. Like there's 12% from the poorest families. There's about 30% from, you know, some poor families up there too. But but then the rest, um, about half and half, I say, um, is around about, it's just, they're just kids. They come from rich families. They come from poor families, which is actually what a state school should be because no one bothers sending their kids to the local private school there because Frank is just doing such a good job. Um, students in general say, and I've heard them say it, a strong sense of belonging to the school. And they do this by actually doing stuff in the school. It becomes theirs. The more they do, the more they own. And they're high quality of extensive co-curricular, which they've got music, they've got sport, they've got bands, they've got a brass band too. They've got outdoor ed, they've got international trips and camping programs for locals that can't necessarily afford to go over and do international stuff. Of course, they've got individual sports, they've got team sports. And these programs are regularly acknowledged and achievements um, are often at the state and national title level. So this is just in the middle of Frankston, there is this school. It's excellent. It's actually known for excellence. If you're living in the area, you know what I'm talking about. It's got a reputation. It's a good school in Frankston. Um, how much does it cost? How much does all this excellence cost? Because I'm talking true excellence. Okay, this is this is this is not um excellent. Well, uh, well, let me tell you the now plan results, if I must. Yeah, how true is this? How excellence? true is this excellent business? <laughs> um, compared to all Australian students, they are kicking with gas. They are doing so well in grammar, numeracy, writing, and reading. Their spelling's right, just fine, it's all good. But they're doing real good stuff down there at Frankston. Compared with similar schools, again, they're doing very well, especially in numeracy. The maths department down in these, yeah, these kicking real girls. But how much does it cost? How much does all of this Frankston High School excellence cost? Well, we know that that kind of excellence at Geelong Grammar costs almost $50,000 in terms of per, parent, student. Per, per student, including parent and state and government and federal com, um, contributions. So... Australia puts in $50,000, this is mainly parents, but also the government. We all put in this money so that a child at Geelong can have a good education, 50000 Frankston High, well, we know that they have a gold standard education in Australia, we're looking around about 15000 Franger, they can, oh, discount rate, 14000 Bargain. 14000 per kid per year. And they also have the advantage of... Are having an education with all kinds of children from all kinds of backgrounds mm. in Australian society, mm. which the poor children at Geelong Grammar. Mm. And I really do pity mm. the, the well, Prince Charleses of this world, <laughs> or the little princes and princelings. Lord um, Fauntleroy? I don't. They, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't I, Prince who? I don't care. Because <laughs> you know, it's, it's not. It's just not relevant. Um, <laughs> Certainly the education they got, if it's good enough, is good enough as far as I'm concerned for all the princelings in the world. But from, from my point of view, what they're doing at Frank High is 
discount excellence. Mm. And when I say discount excellence, I'm not talking about private school fees because obviously from what we've just heard from what the private schools are doing, there is no such thing as discount excellence. Excellence has to, you have to spend lots of money for, for the school to be any good. Mm. You have to have absolutely spankingly embellished facilities with Rococo castle-like sports <laughs> halls. Um, otherwise, you're not doing the right thing. You're not getting a good education. Mm. Unless, of course, you go to Frankston High School. Mm where you get all of the education you need, all of it. You don't miss out on nothing. And as Jean quite rightly points out, you get that extra, Mm. which is you get to understand the world in which you grow up in Mm. as you grow up. Mm. And when I say the world, that is all the people who go to Frankston High School come from Fragger. So you don't get to know many people from Werribee, I'm sure, but that's okay. Um, Frankston is a big enough place where... Rich and poor alike can come together in a school. When they walk through the doors, they can feel safe. When they walk through the doors, they can ha- have absolute confidence that the person teaching them knows what they're talking about and so that's worth listening to. And so the education of the kids at Frankston High School, I have to say, is stunningly good. So our great state school for the week this week is Frankston High. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Oh, isn't it nice to have a good news story to finish with? I've got another good news story for you, if you like. This week's Subscriber Week. So the fact that you're listening to this information here, which is defending government schools on 3CR, on a community radio station, is not an accident. We don't, we get deplatformed pretty much everywhere else. From time to time, there'll be a radio special um, on Radio National or ABC, and Gene's actually been invited to do an interview on one of those. But in general, what we talk about is one of those things that is the awkward dinner conversation. There are things in Melbourne you do not talk about over dinner with people you don't know, and one of them is education, because you're going to get an argument. 
Oh, I had to send my child to the private school because the local state school was not adequate. And you go, how do you know that? Oh, all the parents who send their ch- children to private schools said so. And I went, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's fascinating to hear people say things like that. And then a couple of years later, they go, oh, no, my local state school's brilliant. And I said, why is that? Oh, well, my child was expelled from the private school. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, actually, I'm not joking. That happens all the time. Yeah. But the only reason I get to say stuff like that is we've got 3CR. And the only reason we've got 3CR is we have subscribers. And this week is a very special and wonderful time. It's subscriber week. Mm. So if you want to subscribe to 3CR to keep all this nonsense going, and it's good nonsense, I tell you, um, you should call the radio station, 94198377, during business hours, and you can just say, hey, I want to, I want to renew my subscription. Oh, that's right. I got that email. I forgot. Well, you're listening to it on the radio, you got the email, you got the phone number, give it a call, or do what the email says, because I know I got mine. <laughs> I know I got mine. Say, so, oh, that's right, I better subscribe, and I will. Mm. And so, and I hate to use this word, should you. <laughs> but having said the word should, I say, please do. Please, please subscribe to keep 3CR going, not just us. Look, we are the dogs. And you can contact us at our website as well, www.adogs.info, or the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. Um, or indeed, if you've got an, another great state school, we thank um, one of our listeners for suggesting Frankston I. If you've got another suggestion, just give us a call on 94198377 and um, just say, uh, tell Rob there's this really good school and it's called, and then I'll write it down, I'll whack it in a pigeonhole, and you'll do it next week. That's the way it works here. People power at 3CR. But until next week, from all of us here at the Dogs Program, it's bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe, says I, him standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe, but I'm dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe, they shot you, Joe, says I, takes more than guns to kill a man. Says Joe, I didn't die. Says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill went on to organize. Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where workers strike and organize It's there you find your hill It's there you find your